there's always going to be the mother that stands in the kitchen and when she's cooking the toast for the family for breakfast and one piece of toast gets burnt and she goes, oh, it's okay, I'll have that one. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's me. You know, that was me. And I realised at that point that I was teaching my children, my boys, that that's where a woman sits. I was teaching my daughter that, you know, that's where she sits in a family. I was putting myself really back over here for what? You know, and so it changed instantly for me. Mm. And the burnt piece of toast went in the bin. Nobody needed it, mm. you know, because I have, I'm the leader and I, I believe, and I know that some will kind of criticise this, but I believe that the feminine energy on the planet at the moment is super powerful and, you know, I, I need to lead the way and show the way. And I'm not going to do that by putting myself at the back of the Pile. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. I am so excited this week. I think today's conversation is something that every single one of us should tune into and to really listen to every single word expressed. Beautiful Sarah Louise. Oh my gosh, wait until you hear this woman. She has dedicated her life to helping others. She has worked for the past 25 years as a guide, a life coach, a speaker, healer, and light worker. She has studied a vast array of modalities with leading spiritual teachers from around the world. Sarah believes everyone can live an incredibly happy life, regardless of their past, their story, or their circumstances. And she's an incredible example of her words and her teachings. Sarah's life has been from far a fairy tale, but she does understand that her past has been part of her evolution and that she has a choice every single day and every single moment of how she will choose her future to look like. I particularly feel it's poignant, this podcast, because when she talks about the masculine and the feminine energy, I guess from one level how she describes it is if if a male or the masculine energy is in its true form of expression, it's about open-mindedness. And when she talks about the feminine energy in its true form, it's about open-heartedness. And there is no accident right here, right now in this world that we need more open-hearted conversations, open-hearted beliefs and values, open-hearted love for our fellow humans. I know you're going to love this week's self-love podcast. I know you're going to love hearing about her. And I definitely would say that you're going to love to want to follow this special soul So strap yourself in. I'm sure the moment you hear her voice, as I do, because I am fortunate enough to be part of her tribe, it just calms me. It puts me into a beautiful space and allows me to tap into the ability to come home to me. Make sure you give us a five-star rating if you think it's worthy on iTunes. It really does help me to get the message of the foundation of self-love out there. And it certainly helps me to share amazing souls like all the guests that I'm so privileged to interview on the Self Love Podcast. 
I'm also really grateful for your feedback on my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, but also uh, my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. I really value all of your comments, your personal uh, messages, your love, your sharing. And I'm certainly really proud and excited to know that we will be going live with our Essential Self Care Weekend on the Sunshine Coast and down in Victoria later this year. Check out the show notes if you'd like to know exactly where, but also make sure you check out the show notes this week so that you know exactly how to follow the beautiful Sarah Louise. Enjoy. As you can hear from the intro, I am super excited to bring to you this week someone who is incredibly special, someone who has a little bit of a special hidden talent, I would say, that has now evolved into something that allows all of us to live in the magic, the ethos and the spirituality of our true soul and soul's purpose. I would love to welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Sarah Gowns. Welcome. Ah, oh, thank you, Kim. It's fantastic to be here and to talk to you. Ah, oh, look, it's such mm. a treat. For people that don't know you, for people that are new to you and your work, perhaps you could give us a little brief background as to who you are and what led you to being what you're doing today and, and how you see the world today. Okay. So helping people has been a kind of life mission for me. It's something that, you know, I've always done. So I grew up in complete chaos, um, you know, single mother, alcoholic, addict, and it was very chaotic. It was in kind of London and, you know, there was complete insecurity in my world from the day that I can remember. And so for me, I learned at a really young age that the only person that I could rely on was my kind of self and my connection. And it kind of, that's how it kind of began, you know. So at a very young age, I was kind of seeking help through spirit and, you know, doing cards and meditating um, probably from about 13, 14. And then, you know, my life kind of went in different directions. And when I, I kind of left school very early and I went and did beautician training and then nutrition training and personal training and I wanted to help people to feel better and part of my journey yes was very much through my connection and through you know help with spirit and my intuition but it was also you know I wanted people to feel good on the outside and I thought that if they felt good on the outside then you know they would be great so I did a lot of work for a lot of years in that realm of, you know, training people to be physically well and look great and, you know, have good skin. And then I was like, oh, oh it's more than this. <laughs> you know, they're, they're feeling that, but they're not feeling good inside. So then my training, I think I took my first Reiki healing course when I was 19 and it gave me a way to channel my energy and my connection to other people through healing um so I think I was 20 and I was massaging people and I got the reputation and the nickname of magic hands so people would say no no you know I want to book in with just that girl because there's something about her you know and, and then I developed that more and more you know to the point where you know I work today in meditation and 
energy and and I th- I don't know people say to me you know well how do you do it and it I think for me it's it's like riding a bike you know I began riding this bike really early on so now it's I don't even really think about it it's just my way of life and there's no other you know there's no other way for me you know if if I want to feel good I have to connect yes I have to look after my physical but for me I've learned that this human being is human but there's also this being inside that has to you know I have to connect to because if I don't life's not good for me and I see that with me you know a lot of people now I think it's such a beautiful almost profound thing to say, to be in touch with the being of who we are. Mm. What is your definition of being a human being? So we, we've got our human, our physical, our body, you know, and our brain. And then we've got our being, which I call our energy and our awareness. It's our, it's our feeling. It's, you know, it's that part of us inside of this body. You know, we're not uh, we're not just this body and a brain that ticks over. We, we're this incredible awareness, and that to me is the being. Can you touch the being in your thoughts? No, but yeah, you can connect to it. Yes, yeah, you, I I separate, and this is what I teach my you know when people work with me is when we can let go of the physicality and kind of push the mind to the side, we connect to this incredible being. And do you think then is another name for this the unconscious or is the being separate to the unconscious? I think it's our conscious, it's our unconscious, it's it's all of that part of us. It's It's really hard to define and I think, you know, that's why, you know, people, when they say to me, you know, what is it, what do you do? I kind of go, I don't know, it's, it's just what I do. But, yes, it's, it, it's I don't want to say it's the most important part of us because we're this kind of wholeness, but it makes up a huge part of us. Yeah. I think what's quite pertinent in what you're saying and the work that I've experienced with you, I don't know how to label what you do either. Mm. And I don't think energy worker or healer says enough. Mm. Um, but what I found you've done in the in the meditations that I've been privileged to be a part of or witnessed you working, it's almost like you help us find our way home. Mm. And even if that sounds woohoo to some of our listeners, I mean finding the true self. Mm. And when your words, I think your accent I think the way you speak allows us without judgment and without um, putting meaning into it, you allow us to just be and to come home to that be. Um, If someone was questioning this, if someone was sceptical or listening to this Mm -hmm. or a partner's listening to this going, oh, what a load of wacko, you know, Mm -hmm. how do we describe that to the cynic, to the sceptic? Or can you? Or are they just not ready for it? Sometimes they're not ready. But what I try and explain to people is that we're so conditioned and we're so programmed. You know, our mind, I believe, is a computer that we're born with. And the moment that we're born, it starts being programmed, you know, and it's programmed by our parents, our surroundings, what's going on. And some people have got some really deep programs in there that 
in it, you know, and their pathways are pretty limited in there, you know. And if that's the case, it's really hard to be open-minded and think of something bigger than just the physical. So I say experience what I do and talk to me afterwards. <laughs> I say come and join a meditation or have a private session with me and then let's have a chat. You know, because it's, it's, you know, I, people say to me, how do you do, how do you know, how do you, how do you prepare? You know, I never prepare for events. I often tune in and kind of know what's going on with the astrology, but energetically I don't because my work isn't around this kind of physical, as I say, it's going that little bit deeper. It's tuning into that awareness and in there there isn't conditioning programming set ways it's this beautiful flow do you think then i almost feel like you're talking about going beyond the unconscious Mm. do you think we all have the ability to tap into this awareness definitely yeah and if so how how do we get better at it so I believe that meditation is a fantastic way to calm the mind down because I believe that it's the mind that limits us from tapping in. You know, it's our kind of constant thought flow that hold us distracted, stuck in our past, you know. So I believe that we have to calm the mind to be able to tap in. And lots of people do that in lots of different ways. You know, runners quite often do it when they go for a run. You know, some mothers do it when they're washing up and it's quiet after dinner. You know, it's just allowing the mind to be still and the thoughts to to have some space in between the constant thoughts and then we start to tap in a little bit you know then we start to connect deeper and i believe that when we're doing meditation that's kind of what we're doing a bit more and the more aware we become of that part of us the more aware we become that it can do so much more than it believes i love it and i think in this day and age where there's so much conditioning and programming mm. and mm. Um, it's when I when I studied hypnotherapy what I learned is that it's not so much that we as a therapist put you into trance to tap into the unconscious there's a belief we're all in a trance with the way the world is anyway it's more mm. about untapping from mm. the modern trance would you yeah. agree with that most definitely that's exactly what it is exactly yeah and when, and when we do the work, when we actually take the time to meditate, when we give our space, ourselves space to actually sit with quiet reverence around being still, there is something magical. It's almost like your energy multiplies by taking the time to do that rather mm. than just sitting down and blobbing in front of television where we think we're resting. Mm. There's a real active principle of energy gaining when we consciously make the space to sit in quietness do you know what's happening to us when we consciously make that decision well we we're giving ourselves that time you see and and it's hard because we're so conditioned to be we've got to be busy we've got to be doing something we you know there's so much to do there's you know so when we actually do that and we allow our mind to be still, we get recharged because our energy actually comes from within. (laughs) And, you know, we've, I believe we've been kind of programmed 
backwards in some way. We believe that externally, if we, you know, if life's good out there, then we're going to feel good. You know, if things are good out there, then we're going to feel good. And it's actually the other way around. If inside we feel good, the external will be a reflection of that. So we have to give that internal world some time. You know, and that internal world, giving it time means, yes, stillness, yes, meditation, being in nature, disconnecting from the busy. I love the fact that we are hearing so many people now, holistic integrative therapists, doctors, some scientists. I know in Japan, the idea of shunrun yoku, forest bathing, all of these things are ways that we can do that. Because I also appreciate, and you're probably the same, that Meditation may not be for everybody, mm. but meditation has a different connotation for us all. Mm. What is your definition of meditation and how can we try different ways of meditating? Okay. So I think there's different ways and I think there's different levels. So I think for somebody who's just first starting out, it's finding that way where you get a space in between your thoughts and you have a little bit of stillness, even if it's for a few moments. And as I say, many people, if they're really active, get it through their exercise and um, walking in nature. Um, and then, you know, sometimes when we start to feel that and we feel that it feels nice, we can start with, you know, a little bit of just kind of sitting for five minutes. And then we may go, that felt really nice. I'm going to add some music or a candle. And then we can move into all the different kind of types of meditation, guided meditation, trance meditation, you know, TM. There's so many different chanting and, you know, there's so many different types. But I say to people, don't start there because you'll kind of drop in there and go, oh, this feels too much. So, you know, don't start with an hour, you know, because your mind's going to, it takes time and it takes practice. So, you know, start with five minutes, 10 minutes, but add it into your routine every day. Do you think mindfulness and meditation are the same thing? Pretty much. Mm. So Pretty much. Mindful. It's, it's, I remember reading Thich Nhat Hanh's book about happiness now. Mm -hmm. and he's a Tibetan Buddhist monk and he talked about creating moments of mindfulness is the same as meditation and so then yeah. I created what I call triple m's micro moments of mindfulness mm. because for most mums and women in particular that are busy and things like that to, to sit there for 10 20 30 minutes as you said it was almost like mm. too big a too big a ask but whilst you're cutting the tomatoes for dinner mm -hmm. and you're looking at the tomato and who grew it and where's it come mm. from and mm. imagine what that grew from and you're actually really connecting, if you like, yes. with the tomato. Completely. <laughs> to me was ways that I did it as my children were little. I mm -hmm. implemented these triple M's as part of motherhood. I also love my essential oils. Mm. You talked about using a candle and I love that for, for looking at the light, but mm. there's something about smell as well. Mm. Do you know if that has a stronger or even a, a great connection to that inner self as well? Most definitely. So anything that hits the senses and creates a sense of calm. So most definitely, you know, light is so important, the sense, you know, your environment and most definitely the sense of smell. You know, how, you know, when we burn a lovely candle and we get that incredible aroma and it's just like, you know, we put lavender on our 
children's bed to go to sleep like most definitely all those things that really calm our senses and bring us into the moment you know so when we smell it in that moment and it, we kind of get drawn we're like we're present and then we can be much calmer talk to us a little bit about how you've used this personally in your life could you explain to us or do you have a scenario where I know at the beginning you said your life was chaotic doesn't mean to say that all of a sudden life isn't chaotic and I'm sure mm. going through life and marriage relationships children mm -hmm. motherhood could you give us some examples of how you've used this in an everyday life okay so I mean, personally, I'm super lucky because my work is all about connection. So I spend a lot of time working with people and I work in the zone, in the space a lot, connecting, you know, tuning in, giving counsel from what I believe is the light. So in one way, I'm very lucky that I have that constant tuning. Um, but for me, you know, when I've gone through times of, you know, change and transformation and tough times looking after my mental spiritual and physical well-being has always been top of my list because i know what it feels like when i don't so you know doing my practice of meditation and some days you know is cutting the tomatoes and just having a stillness and other days it's taking an hour you know in a deep trance um and just, you know, my beautiful cards that I use and my connection and, you know, my oils that I use and my beautiful bath. And, you know, I, I, I have learned that if I don't look after this being and this human, I'm no good to anybody. I love that. And so many women seem to use mother guilt or martyrdom to mm. mask. Mm. What is your thoughts around that? women using guilt or martyrdom as opposed to actually, do you think it's a choice to do that? And do you think they're actually risking their own health and sanity by using that as an excuse? Do you think how important it is for a woman, I'm only saying women because I'm talking about from a mothering perspective, but men mm. as well, for us to really know just how imperative this is in order to teach future generations? Mm, I mean, yes, most definitely. And again, I think it comes from our conditioning and how we've been programmed, you know. There was, I remember years ago, this beautiful woman said to me, and I've done a lot of therapy over the years because I love seeking help. I think we're all here to help each other. And this beautiful lady saying to me, you know, there's always going to be the mother that stands in the kitchen and when the, she's cooking the toast for the family for breakfast, and one piece of toast gets burnt and she goes, oh, it's okay, I'll have that one. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's me. You know, that was me. And I realised at that point that I was teaching my children, my boys, that that's where a woman sits. I was teaching my daughter that, you know, that's where she sits in a family. I was putting myself really back over here for what? You know, and so it changed instantly for me. Mm. And the burnt piece of toast went in the bin. Nobody needed it, mm. you know, because I have I'm the leader and I, I believe and I know that some will kind of criticize this, but I believe that the feminine energy on the planet at the moment is super powerful. And 
you know, I, I need to lead the way and show the way. And I'm not going to do that by putting myself at the back of the pile. You know, it just, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to stay up late at night folding washing while everyone's asleep. You know, here's your piles. We do this together. And when we all do that. And I don't think that's being selfish. I think that's teaching everybody. Well, I think you're highlighting a really important thing here that to raise great men, we need to be incredibly great women. Yes. And to raise great daughters, we have to be incredibly great women. Mm. I have a philosophy of the woman of the house is happy and healthy. Life runs smoothly for everyone else. Exactly. I agree with you. You tapped on the feminine energy. Could you explain to us the different qualities of the masculine and the feminine energy? Okay, so I think this is, that's like a whole whirlpool over there. But I, what I really try and teach people is that men and women are different species. Yeah, they are completely different species. And let's kind of say we've got an elephant and a giraffe. Yeah, and we both lead and we both have these incredible qualities and they are very different. And the feminine energy on the planet at the moment is it's rising. It's kind of becoming more, you know, it's not that martyr mother so much anymore. Women are kind of going, no, it's not that. And it's, and it's you know, it went kind of very equal and, and but we're not equal in some way because we're very different. <laughs> Yeah, so I believe that men and women have the most incredible qualities, but they are very different. And as we are evolving, hopefully we're learning that, you know, as a woman, I can't, you know, judge my man's behaviour on how I would behave because it's never going to be he's a man, you know. So, and I'm not going to try and judge my behaviour on how he behaves because I'm a woman and we have very different roles and very different energy. And that being sacred in itself, I think, is a real shift that's happening at the moment. So it's not that I'm equal or I'm the same. I'm actually really different, but I'm incredibly amazing and so are you. So how would you describe the masculine energy? and compare it to the feminine energy? What's the differences? So men are logical. Men come from their head and they're very logical and they're very thought-based. Women come from their hearts and they are emotional. And it's really different and there's no right or wrong in either of them. It's just the difference of the species, yeah? So when I make decisions, quite often they come from my emotions because I'm a woman. And when my man makes decisions, he's logical. He's thinking, you know, the logical, thoughtful way, whereas I'm emotional. And that is the biggest difference. And when we understand that and we stop judging each other's species for making those decisions and we just understand, well, of course she's going to be like that because she's a woman and she comes from the heart and, of course, I'm going to be this, then we stop all this competition. Do you believe that we as women can also be logical and think, you know, with very thought-orientated feelings or thoughts? And do you think men can come from the heart and an emotional space so our energy can actually swap? I think that it can become most definitely very open. Can it swap? Can you have a man completely coming from his heart and not his head? 
I don't think I've come across that species yet. I think that you can have a very open-minded man, most definitely, and you can have a beautiful woman who's really intellectual and very kind of, you know, in her mind. But her heart's it's just how it is. And do you think then when it comes to same-sex relationships, how does that work? Well, I think you have this kind of beautiful connection of two people that really get each other because they're coming quite often from a similar place. You know, they can really get each other. That's why, you know, the best relationships are with open-hearted women that are really kind of open and open-hearted women or, you know, open-hearted, um, open-minded men. Mm. You know, it's it's not about that. It's more about how kind of open and aware we are as to the best relationships we can have. Oh, I so agree. What about when a relationship breaks down? What about when it's not working? Do you believe there's an energetic, spiritual side to that? Do you think from a soul level it's meant to play out that way, that as a human being we're just not meant to be together anymore, but maybe there's a soul learning there? How do you mm. sit with relationship breakdowns? So I think that there's a relationship for every level of your evolution. And sometimes we choose to kind of stay in relationships and evolve together. Sometimes the person that we're with doesn't choose to evolve. We all have the opportunity. So I think that there's many soul contracts. And I think that there's actually a soulmate on every level of your evolution. Some people choose to, you know, grow with one person some people choose to grow with different people and I, I think it really it depends on the on the person's level of evolution you know and where people want to stay a lot of people stay in relationships not that happy because of fear or you know a lifestyle or family guilt or whatever and other people don't you know and there's no right or wrong in it it's just it comes from your values moral compass your desires but yeah also your kind of soul's needs I love that I find it's fascinating that we as humans put such expectation and judgment and um, strong belief around what is right or wrong Mm. how do you come to a better understanding of appreciating that everything is as it should be and to have a more open-hearted, open-minded approach to that. I think when it comes to relationships, you know, a lot of our conditioning and our programming has come from religion. And so people come to me and they're kind of stuck in unhappy marriages and they're like, you know, but, you know, he's my husband or I should and I shouldn't. There's so many shoulds. And... And I kind of go, okay, well, where does this, where's the belief coming on of you should stay or you have to when you're heartbroken and unhappy and, you know, he's possibly having affairs or abusing you, you know, what makes that? And they go, well, you know, it's because I should. And I quite often say, you know, how, how do you practice your religion right now, your Christianity of having one partner? And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. So if we were in... Turkey, for example, living in a Muslim country and your the man has three wives, four lovers and two boys, that's okay there. You know, and if we travel around the world and we look at all the different beliefs of what a relationship should be, 
I go kind of, who are we ever to say what's right or wrong? You know, why is that right and that wrong? Like there's, it's just the belief and it's just what sits right for you. So if you're in something because you feel you should because of some belief but you're totally unhappy, got to really have a look and weigh that up because mm. there's no right or wrong in anything. We all deserve happiness. And do you believe then that the universe, for want of a better word, presents these opportunities, these choices, these challenges, these trials to test us on a soul level? Is that what you think it is? I believe that we're in the classroom of life and, you know, we didn't come here to lay on the sofa and do nothing. We came here to evolve and we came here with an incredible group of teachers around us, all those significant people that press our buttons and trigger us and, you know, and there's going to be constant lessons and blessings and, yeah, most definitely. And that's all part of this journey here. That's why we're here. And we're not here just to be asleep. We're here to be challenged and grow. And, and that quite often, because I think it's one of the main reasons that we're here, comes from our relationship with our significant other. <laughs> so powerful. Let's talk about the world as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see this from a soul spiritual tuning perspective what does COVID mean to you? COVID to me is it's the shift it's the change it's kind of what needed to happen in some way to wake people up to change the old ways and I mean I try not to go too much into all the, you know, controversial stories around everything and I try not, I don't listen to the news because um, I just think that right now this is a time that we are being pushed to go within and really look at our own belief systems and where we fit in the universe and to not be too pulled out there because I think that, on some level, COVID's kind of, it's it's our kind of new age. I know this is going to sound like the wrong word, but kind of war, you know. This is the new age evolution of some kind of war. It's creating separation, disharmony. Um, you know, there's, yeah, it's, it, the energy can be really challenging out there. But I think it's t- it's really teaching us to find your tribe find your belief, find your light within and shine that regardless of what's going on out there and you can live out there in fear of it all or you can come in and trust that this is exactly what needs to be for our evolution going forward. So true, so beautiful. On that note then, for yourself, knowing that this is a self-love podcast, do you believe that self-love is one of the greatest assets, one of the greatest tools that we could possibly possess in our human experience? Most definitely. Yep. I think it's one of our biggest challenges. It's one of our biggest lessons and it's one of our biggest blessings when we learn to love ourselves unconditionally, then, yeah, 
What's your definition of self-love? Self-love, it's, it's really valuing myself, my needs, my wants, who I am. It's having my voice, it's having my heart and kind of standing up in life. How would you teach it to your boys and your daughter? How do I teach it to them? I just teach them that they're incredible beings who can have, be, do whatever they want and to value themselves and how, you know, incredibly powerful they are and and, and how, you know, yeah, how blessed they are just to kind of even be here with an awareness. Mm. So how do I teach it to them? I talk to them, I share with them, I love them, I support them, and I give them space to be. You know, they, I gave them as they were growing up a lot of independence and a lot of space to be without controlling them or, you know, I just gave them the space to grow up and be cool with who they were. Such a beautiful thing because in our conditioning and how we grew up, then becomes part of the beliefs or the values or the behaviours that we withhold. It's very hard for many people not to project those beliefs, thoughts, feelings and actions onto their children. Mm. So it takes a real awareness. And this work that you're talking about, the, the meditation, the finding the space between the thoughts, gives us time, gives us an opportunity to actually question those values, beliefs and actions. Mm. Do you think that's the way forward? For all mothers and fathers? I think it's a way forward for everybody, yes. Yeah. And it's really funny when you say that because I was just thinking of my eldest son and, you know, he grew up with me making him sit in, you know, little circles of stones in the garden, burning bits of paper, you know, and there was a time through his teenage years that he was just like, you know, can you just not speak like that? Like, I'm not interested. Like, just, you know, don't care. Don't get those cards out again. Like, And now, you know, he's lived overseas for a few years. He'll call me and say, hey, mum, got time for a quick reading or I've been putting it out there and I've been manifesting this and guess what's happened? And I'm really being careful with my wording around. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> they say that our children, you know, they, they obviously grow up thinking you are their God, their universe, especially those first seven years. Mm. And then as they go through those transitional years of teenager into adult, there's often a lot of rejection and it's mm. a natural human trait, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. natural for us to want to do the opposite or feel or think the opposite to our upbringing in order to find ourselves. Mm. And all the advice I've ever had from mums out there is just let it be and yes. trust that those values, those core fundamental um, thoughts or beliefs around true love or self-love or self-worth always comes back. So it really does mean that we have to almost do the same thing in our mind as we do to, for our children, to hold the space for them to yeah. grow through that. I think it's quite an incredible metaphor if you look at our evolution spiritually for ourselves personally our own journey that maybe look at ourselves as a child growing what phase are we in where we believe every guru and everything that we see then there's a bit of conflict give ourselves the space to part and have our own thoughts and then create the new beginning or the new you which often leads back to what we believe is right mm -hmm. is that a fair assessment 
Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I just found myself thinking that out aloud. Yeah. Going, I feel like, you know, some yes. of us could be in the teenage years of our spirituality, oh, right? Most definitely, yes. yes. And COVID Cycles. given us such a great opportunity to challenge all yes. of that. It was funny, right at the beginning of COVID, people were, you know, when we was first in lockdown, I was like, oh, my goodness, the universe is just gone. You guys have got too busy out there. Go home to your bedroom and don't come out until you've had a think about what's going on. And I'm like, this is it, you know. We were put, and many people thought, you know, self, I, 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 there was the words, you know, social distancing and self-isolation. I turned it into social respect and self-inquiry. That's how I reframed it. It gave me the opportunity to go within but have respect for where we're at on a social level. Um, I really appreciate what you're saying because it's giving us all permission to be ourselves, if you like, and that Mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong uh, at whatever phase or stage we're in. If we ultimately all, um, one of the things you said the other night in the meditation is around the group, the tribe, the the definition of being together and all meditating or evolving at the same time. How could you explain to us the difference between doing this by ourselves as opposed to being part of someone or some group that allows us to do this together? And what's the difference? Well, from what I've seen with my work, it's most definitely the collective consciousness is so much more powerful than when we try and access the consciousness on our own. It's like the group energy is, it's just multiplied. Um, and when it's kind of multiplied, it, it, the, the kind of the energy that's given off. So as you know, in that group work, we kind of, we connect, we clear our minds and we relax the body and then we go into that beautiful space of creation and we get really clear about what we want. Well, while everybody's doing that and you've got this force of this group energy, it's like it's like being magnets, you know, it's and it's not just one little magnet that's you alone. It's this massive magnetic field because it's all these magnets together in the same place with the same intention. And it's I mean, I don't, I don't know how that works, but from what I've seen over the years, it's super powerful you know together we're so much more powerful than alone and all of those you know sayings and quotes that we hear that it's the truth I almost as you're saying that can see another metaphor even myself as being an aromatherapist that the powers and qualities of one oil mm-hmm. when blended with the powers and qualities of another oil becomes what we call a synergistic effect, which means the power of the two are greater than the sum of the individual even put together. So in other words, one plus one equals nine from an aromatherapy point of view. Isn't nature remarkable? It's, and you know, we are nature. You know, we live in the laws of nature and we are part of nature. And if we kind of tuned into that a little bit more, I think we'd we'd have a lot more understanding. Yeah. What's your thoughts then around plant medicines, herbal medicine, the food that we eat? What about the vibration around those kind of modalities and how that can affect our consciousness and our spirituality? 
I think super, super important. And, you know, all that we are what we eat, most definitely. If you're eating kind of dense, dead foods, it's not good for your soul. If you're eating beautiful, vibrant food that's alive, you know, I've always thought that if it's the closer that it's grown to you, the more in tune you are to it. And I think most definitely, I think plant medicines are incredible if they are used in the right, not, and there's no right or wrong, but if they are used in the way that they are grown to be used, I get a little bit upset these days with um, so many people using them to promote kind of ceremonies. And, and I believe that, you know, there's this beautiful ancestral kind of energy that's come through with lots of different lands and there's land keepers that know how to use their medicine that's grown on it. And I'm not so keen on kind of people just kind of learning from a friend and then running things and sharing medicines because, you know, plant medicine is super powerful. So I think used in the right way, incredible, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's medicine <laughs> yeah. and it's mind altering. So we do have to be really aware. And, and as for herbs and oils and, you know, I think Western medicine has the most incredible place. And if my kid breaks their leg, I'm the first one at the hospital. But if I have something that's going on in my body and my, or my immune system, I will do everything that I possibly can naturally to treat that because I believe that my body is the most incredible thing and it's miraculous really. And so if I work with that and my intuition and beautiful herbs or oils or, you know, foods, foods is the medicine I believe, then I hopefully won't need to step out of that into another place. (laughs) I've taken three words from what you've said in the last few moments. I just think they're quite profound. Our intuition, um, along with, and I'm going to call it the intelligence of the body and our own innate knowing, coupled with our intention, is perhaps some of the most profound healing that we could give ourselves our intuition along with trusting our intelligence physically, mentally, emotionally, and then with our spiritual intention. There's such mm. there's such an integrity, another I word, such integrity around that, isn't there? And mm-hmm. I feel like as women in particular, we've lost touch with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that is the conditioning and all the things, the programming and the computering that we're getting from these outside influences. It's mm. almost like you're saying, when we take the time and give ourselves the space, we can tap more into these superpowers, intuition, intelligence, mm. intention. Like they're, mm. they're superpowers, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Most definitely, yeah. And if we can do that, then there's not so much of a need for this external stuff. You know, if we had, if we tapped into our intuition and our being on a daily basis in the morning and just, you know, how are you? (laughs) What do you need today? You know, and just tapped into that. There wouldn't, we wouldn't end up like we quite often do, burnt out, sick, unhappy, because we've tended to it on a daily basis. Hmm. 
such an important thing, daily mm. basis. Um, I think so often we all, and I've been guilty of it myself, I feel so great, I, I ignore it sometimes because I'm feeling great. It's often when we hit rock bottom or we get ill um, or get wiped out with some, you know, sickness that really has us stop in our tracks. Mm-hmm. Is, there a, is there a spiritual message in that? Um, do you think that's the body's way of saying slow down? Most definitely. You know, when, when people come to me and they're sick, we, I chase it back. Okay, what was going on for you at the time that you got sick? You know, oh, I was, had a big argument or I was really unhappy in my job or, you know, there's always some emotional kind of mental something going on which then manifests in the body. And I believe that that's, that's our body kind of, you know, warning system going, hello, you need to have a little look at what's really going on. It's almost like we're, and with over-the-counter medications and this desire to keep going and get work done or to achieve or to, to reach certain things, we're, we're stamping out, we're blocking mm-hmm. that power, those superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I, I'm just curious your thoughts on if the body is a barometer to the mind, the mental and the emotional then how do we show someone that? Why do we have to wait until we're really sick or ill for you to hear that? And some people don't even hear it. Mm. I think, again, it's the awareness. It's the open-mindedness. It's the, you know, it's stepping out of that old conditioning and that's shifting at the moment and that's what we're in. That's the whole time that we're in at the moment and that's what it's making people do. You know, all these things that are being talked about on, you know, the TV, the news of compulsory this and you can't live life unless you have this. And and it's making people step back and question, hmm, do I really need that? Am I not healthy? You know, and then and then they start to, you know, the awareness starts, the thoughts start, and then it opens up a bigger picture. But I think that when we're so consumed in our life and we're so fixated in what we're doing, there's no space. There's no space in that to even think about anything other than, oh, I've got a headache. What's the quickest thing? Because I've got to do this, this, this to get rid of it and it's not I'll drink a litre of water and see how I feel or I'll, you know, put some beautiful oil on or I'll go for a walk in nature. It's give me a tablet because that will block my pain senses and then I won't feel great. If that's the case and society, television, the news is almost imprinting a fear, a fear-minded um, intention, if that's the right thing, and I'm not trying to judge that, but it feels mm-hmm. a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. What's your advice then in trusting this process? How do we, as a there, there's no accident. Whoever's listening to this right now, there is no accident. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel, and I say this with pure love, that those listening to conversations like this are the game changers. Mm-hmm. How do we hold the space? How do we be? the best person without getting triggered or trapped or being drawn into arguments or fights or things like that around what is projected, how would you recommend we hold that space? So I think that we have to really tune into our belief. I think we have to really disconnect from all of that, you know, subliminal programming through the news and the, you know, social media and all of that and have a little think what true masters do. True masters stay silent (laughs) and they just hold their truth and they hold their space. 
I don't need to go and defend my thoughts and my views to make other people. Everybody has their own. But as a true master of myself, I sit in silence and I just lead in my way. And that's why, you know, people are coming to me a lot at the moment saying, you know, I've just fallen out with my sister because we're so indifferent beliefs around this, you know, and we're arguing because da 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 And I just say, you know, you don't have to place your beliefs on others. You don't have to change. You don't have to change the world by, you know, just if people ask me, I'm very honest, but master is silent. (laughs) Reminds me of a beautiful quote. Those who speak do not know. Those Mm. who know do not speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's profoundly empowering to say little mm-hmm. rather than be the another saying I always say is you know be the example not the evangelist exactly live in that space could you talk to us a little bit I know we're coming to the end but a little bit around the work that you do and how um, we could find more out about you but also how do we become a part of this larger consciousness okay so I and the work that I do, I see a lot of private clients for one-on-one sessions, either in person or online. In the space that I work, it doesn't matter whether I meet somebody or it's like this. The energy connection's always there. So I do private sessions for people come to me, you know, sometimes they just show up in complete trauma or you know, someone said, oh, you should see her. She's really cool. Or, you know, I believe everyone comes to see me exactly when they're meant to. And whatever they're meant to receive at that time, they will blessing, a healing, into, you know, an opening, a whatever that is. So I work with private clients. I also um, have an online tribe, which you've been part of, lots of our sessions where we and we meet under the new moon and the full moon every month online and I talk a little bit about the energy and what's happening and then we do a group meditation and so that's that's something that's come around over the last I used to do a lot of events I used to you know fly around Australia fly around the world doing events and holding space and you know and now I've learned because the wonderful of this last year is that it's possible to do those online. So I run those um, every month. And, yeah, I do run retreats and I do run courses and I do run workshops. I'm a little bit, you know, I love to do them in kind of, you know, in Bali or, you know, Europe. And at the moment that's obviously not possible. So I'm looking at doing something towards the end of the year and locally which would be great yeah i i i believe that we all need a little bit of help and throughout my life i've always reached out to people for help you know be it through healers or therapists or you know hypnosis or whatever because i believe that we we need support and we need help and quite often we can't do that for ourselves and quite often we've got an amazing support family around us but they see it through their perception too and so we have to kind of go outside of that to get support or help or guidance and yeah as as I said as I began I've got this beautiful um gift ability 
whatever you call it that I've worked on forever. Whereas I can tune in and and help people. I can, you know, see forward their path and give them some guidance and help them and give them some strength of, you know, I feel like I open path, you know, I shine the light on people's paths for them and give them a little bit of insight. And we all need that. We need the hope, the insight, the support. I think what you do so beautifully is in, in your beautiful way of teaching what you're actually doing in my perspective is honouring that intelligence we already have mm. and you're helping us tap back into that mm. and you do it so beautifully. I love your meditation, the group meditations. I, I find them very moving and I always find that just after one, um, big things happen, they seem to happen for me, like I, mm. I'm blown away by what occurs after mm. them. And when I say big things, it could be an amazing opportunity in a work environment or it could be an incredible clearing that all of a sudden a headache I've had for two days is gone mm. or I have clarity on a workshop or an article I want to do or I have mm. an amazing conversation with my husband who's away or my children ring me and say something that feels profoundly deep. So it can mm. be a range of things, but they feel very special to me. Mm. Um, how, where do we go to to find you? Okay, so I am on all the social media platforms, so, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Um, also, I have a website, Sarah Louise Live. Um, S-A-R-A-H-L-O-U-I-S-E. Yep, live, L-I-V-E. Dot com. Yeah. Yep. And Instagram, same name, Sarah Louise Live. Sarah Louise Live, live yes. Yeah, and Facebook the same. Yes. Can you just tell me in in your words then, if someone goes to your website, goes onto there, like what what are they looking for? What's the signs? So on there, there's obviously there's lots of information around me and my history and my story, and which hopefully is going to give people hope. You know, there's not many things that I haven't experienced that I can't help people with. Like I believe that you know, I've um. I've had this beautiful path of so many different experiences so that I can help people with those. So there's a lot of, you know, my story on there. And then there's lots of different options of booking, you know, different areas where I work. So in the online booking section, I work on the Sunshine Coast in person, in Brisbane, online, the events. There's also um, a model in there for a subscription so you can subscribe so that, you know, you don't miss any of the monthly meditations. So there's lots on there. Thank you so much. I, I just I could talk to you forever, and I'm sure as our listeners are listening to this, they're already gone into trance with you. <laughs> like every time I hear your voice, I all of a sudden find myself just oh, I feel I feel at home. Like I said at the beginning, you show us how to come home to ourselves, which mm. is a really beautiful space. And and no matter how much work I do on myself, no matter how much I read or study or um, work with different people or present I feel the most beautiful gift you've given me over the last few years is is the gift of continually learning and evolving Mm. and that in itself is a gift to my community and the people that I have the privilege of being in contact with including our beautiful self-love listeners just to finish up Mm. could you give us your favorite quote at the moment and maybe your final message 
Okay, I have quite a few, so I'm just going to pick one. Um, and that is life's always going to give you lemons and you have a choice to either become sour or make lemonade. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people, you know, when I hear people's stories, I go, well, you got, you, there's one of two ways here. It can... Mm-hmm define yeah. you or it refines you and exactly there's a way of of making every experience to question not why did it happen to me but i heard one great speaker say why didn't why shouldn't that happen to me mm. um, which yeah. is a different way and I, I appreciate that we're in the throes of challenge and lying on our bathroom floor and crying and desperate and i'm not undermining that but i also believe that's part of the process as well yeah. right a beautiful therapist said to me, once you have to feel it to heal it. Yes. And I think part of that isn't burying it or not acknowledging it. It's actually working through it. And I love that line that life is happening through me as me, mm-hmm. not at me. Yes. And I think that's such a, a nice deeper awareness as well. As, as a listener of the Self-Love Podcast, can you just tap into perhaps a final message to the beautiful soul listening to this right now? Just that you are amazing as you are exactly where you are right now. And that there's nothing wrong and there's nothing right and everything is meant to be. And I think that, you know, if we look back on our life, we always understand every step that has ever been taken. And if we can remember that in the moments, you know, when, as you say, we feel challenged or you know, things don't seem to be going our way, if we can just remember that it is working out even when we can't see it. So just to keep going and just, you know, remembering self-love and remembering how incredibly amazing we are as we are. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for being a guest on the Self Love Podcast. Oh, I really, pleasure. I really want to acknowledge and honour you for the work you're doing and that feminine energy that we're really all, you know, for want of a better word, craving right now. Um, if there's one person to follow and to really enjoy um, learning more about it and certainly tapping into it and trusting it, it is definitely you. So. I will make sure in the notes that all those links are in there because I just know that the listener that listens to the self-love podcast is certainly one of your people. So from my heart to yours, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the self-love podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.